Amen. Good morning. It's great to be together. So, I uh, the title of this morning's sermon is, is Patient. God's love is patient and full of hope. It's patient and, and full of hope. You know, as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking of some of the, the common sayings that, that uh, will call us to be patient or to pra- practice patience. And he, here's a couple. Patience is a bitter fruit. Or is bitter, but its fruit is sweet. Hold your horses. Keep your shirt on. Don't cross the bridge. You never heard that one? I've definitely been told that. Don't cross the bridge till you come to it. They're like, chill out, calm down. Uh, Rome wasn't built in a day. Maybe you can help me finish a couple of these. Don't count your chickens. Don't put the cart. Good things come. Haste makes. Nice. Yeah, and you know, patience is a virtue. It, it's, it's often built up. It's often uh, a high calling for all of us. And, and with patience comes more peace, kindness, less anger, less frustration, uh, more joy. You know, people who are known for being patient also tend to be less judgmental. Right? Uh, more compassionate and more forgiving. You know, and, and patience is, is certainly a topic that the Bible teaches us a lot about in both the Old and the New Testament. Right? But if you've got a Bible, turn over to Second Peter 2, chapter 3. I want to read us a scripture here. Second Peter 2, verse 3. I'm going to look at verses 8 through 9. Second Peter's way towards the back if you've got the physical Bible. Everybody's second. Small, sometimes hard to find. Second Peter 2, or Second Peter 3, starting in verse 8, says this. But don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. This scripture encourages me so much. Uh, it also makes me stand in awe of God's patience because um, how long does it take you sometimes to go from like zero to 60 in your annoyance level? Sometimes it just happens like that, right? And, and situation matters, the context of the day matters, but sometimes it's like you could be having a great day and then like 30 seconds of someone doing something just that you think is stupid, dumb, that makes no sense. Uh, you're just annoyed, like off the cuff, like patience gone out the window, right? And, and it can take less than 30 seconds, five seconds sometimes. Just the most random little thing can set us off in an instant of just dealing with a few moments of an annoying person. But have you ever been annoying yourself? Never, right? 
No, no, no. We've, we've all done something to annoy someone else. But here's the thing. What do you think annoys God? What, what, what I see in Scripture that often annoys God is sin. When we're sinning, right? And what, what astounds me about God's patience is this. is If a day is like a thousand years to God, and a, a thousand years is like a day, I think about when you're having a bad day, and you're just not being righteous, how long is that day of God dealing with your annoying, like you being annoying, right? And yet, He just doesn't like get rid of us at that point. He doesn't like just destroy us, like, alright, I'm done with you, right? For me, I, and when I reflected on that for a moment, and I'm like, I've had bad days. You know, I, I, I have moments where, if, you know, I'm being unrighteous or unholy, and and yet, in that moment, am I, how's God feel about me? He still loves me. He's patient with me. Is he upset? He could very well be, but he's so patient that he's going to keep waiting. God, God's desire is not to destroy me, to get rid of me, to, to beat me kind of a thing. I mean, he's just going, I, don't, I, I want you to repent. That's what I want. I don't want you to perish. I want to, I want to help you change so that you can be with me. Mm-hmm. Right? God's so patient with us. Yeah. This scripture just leaves me going, I'm a knucklehead, and God, wow. Wow. I'm so encouraged. You know, but this is, this is the God of, we used to look at this, this is in the New Testament. God's saying, like, I don't want this for you. I want, I want people, everyone, to come to repentance. I want to be patient and have no one perish. And so he strives to... to Terry to wait and to bring us back to him. This is New Testament, right? Old Testament, though, some people feel like the Old Testament God is not a very patient God. Anybody ever had that feeling? I often have the conversations with people about the impression they get about God when they read the Old Testament. Many feel like they see a disparity between the God of the Old and the God of the New Testament. The Old is seen as wrathful, angry, impatient, judgmental, while the New is seen as loving and kind and patient and forgiving. Uh, And inevitably, this question often comes up, why is there a difference if it's supposed to be the same God and God's not supposed to change? Did, Did God, like, grow up? Or is this even the same God? Right? And because we think, you know, hopefully as we grow as people, we get to be less angry and frustrated and all of those things. But um, this question of, of how is this possible has bothered Christians for millennia, honestly. It, there was an early heretic named uh, Marcion who, who once tried to argue that the creator God of the Old Testament was an inferior being to the God and Father of Jesus said that he, was, uh, that he was an evil God, and so he was quickly labeled a heretic, especially when he tried to rewrite some of the early Christian writings and purge the Jewish creator God uh, from, from like the New Testament writings. And so God in all things used even this, this guy, because what he ended up doing is, uh, after this, the early church fathers, they responded by going, nope, we're going to make sure we get all of the accurate writings, right? The things that God's Spirit has inspired that do involve 
the Creator God, still the same one. And we got the canonized Bible, right? We have the what we have now is the New Testament. But they compiled it and put it together, and they said, we want to bring this together and then disseminate it in a way that we know it's it, it, we're going to secure God's word, right? And but see that they saw and they knew what Marcion was missing. He was saying that no, these are two different gods. This God has no place in the New Testament. And the early church fathers are going, you don't get it. This is the same God. You just don't, you don't see his heart. Are you, are you not reading? Are you not seeing? And so today my goal is to, to help connect us with really the heart of God in both the old and the new. I'm going to spend a, a whole lot more time, really, I'm going to spend almost all of our time in the Old Testament today. All right? And we're going to look at this. But see, the, the early church fathers said, no, Jesus... He didn't come to tell us about some new God. He's not making another God known. He's just teaching about the same one to the world. In John 1, verse 18, it says this, No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is, the Father, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. Jesus is precisely the character of the Father. The God of the Old Testament. There's no difference between, between the two. To meet Jesus is to meet God. And Jesus is no more loving, and He's no more patient, He's no more kind, and He's no more judgmental than God the Father, God of the Old Testament. You know, the Father's no more judging than Jesus. You know that judgment shows up in the, in the New Testament to judge or judgment? shows up 108 times in the New Testament. Like if you think that judgment's not in there, oh, it's totally in there. Right? But it, there, is, there is love and there's a patience in the New Testament and there's love and there's patience in the Old. And we're going to look at some of that today. If you've got a Bible, turn over to Exodus 34. Point one is God is patient and just. You're taking notes. God is patient and just. Exodus 34, verse 6. God is speaking to Moses. As he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to the thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. Now I feel like I have to address this right off because this could be a stumbling block to somebody, to the idea of patience, right? Uh... The punishment of children for their parents' sin? I read that, I'm like, how it, what? How does that make sense to me? Uh, and simply looking at another translation really helps us. If you're looking at the NIV, it throws us off. If you were to look at the, the Holman Christian Bible, they just use, they just translate this passage a little differently, and maybe this will help you. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished. 
bringing the consequences of the father's wrongdoing on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. God is simply saying that my punishment for you will be so severe or will be severe enough that it is going to end up affecting your children and grandchildren as well. God's not going to punish these kids for the things their fathers did. But it's a wake-up call for you to realize what's going to happen to you is going to affect your children. Right? And, and the way I, I was thinking to illustrate it is if a father goes to prison while his son is five years old and has to pay some astronomical fine and has to get rid of all of his wealth that he has and leaves his his children with nothing and so he's there not present for his children in their life and does not provide them with any of the the resources that they might need because he's in prison and having to deal with the consequences of his action don't you think that child is going to feel that? Is the child being punished? No, but they're feeling the consequence of their father's sin right? And that's what God is saying. And and what's likely is that child will raise a child who may not feel it in the same gravity, but will still feel the influence of their grandfather's sin. And it could very well pass to their great-grandchild as well. And that's what God is saying. His point is, don't take my justice lightly. Alright? You know, so back to my point, you know, this... But this is God's fundamental presentation of Himself to the Israelites, to the Jews. He's, his goal is not to say, I, I am, I'm a God of judgment. No, He's saying, the first thing who I am is I'm compassionate. I am gracious. I am patient. I am loving. I am faithful and I am forgiving. That is the first thing you need to know about me. Right? And what's the challenge is that he, he then goes to note that they need to not take advantage of this. He's, he's so just. But he, he has to make this point because the words, the words he used don't translate well because he's being very emphatic and powerful. Like the, the words we're using don't carry the same gravity, the same weight of the words he's using. They, he's overwhelmingly patient. He's overwhelmingly loving. He's overwhelmingly gracious and forgiving where almost to the point of where people are going to just want to take advantage do you get what I'm saying that's what he's trying to communicate he goes I am this way but be aware that I am also just and and those who are guilty will be punished right don't take it lightly and he has to throw that out there because it's, it's going I am so extravagantly these things that you're going to be tempted right, to go and, and take it in that direction. You know, God really wanted the Jews to understand the depth of His goodness. He, he wanted them to know that He is so enduringly patient with them. With all of us, right? They were so... He, he's just trying to be so over the top with how loving and kind and gentle He is. I aspire to be like this. I mean, don't we all kind of aspire to be the loving and patient and kind. Right? We want to be very forgiving. I mean, it's nice to be slow to anger is the word they use. And I easily equate that to patience for me. 
Because it's just talking about the character of God's heart. I mean, most of the time when you, we're, we consider patience, it has to deal with getting angry, does it not? Um, or enduring and getting through something that's challenging. I would like to be like this, but I'm not always like this. And it comes out the most in my marriage. Um, fairly recently, I had a couple of moments uh, where it was really clear to me that I could still grow in this. Euros saw a recent one. It was over at my house the other day of me being impatient. I'm going to tell a different story. But, um, but uh, that one was still a little too close to home. I think I, I, we got to work through that one still. Uh, but one example of me having a rough day was one where James was having a... He was having a rough day. All right. Uh, and if you've ever dealt with a screaming baby for more than like five minutes in your face, I mean, most people, would, if James started freaking out on you, you'd be like, here, Mike. Right. Yeah. You would be easy. You'd be quick to hand him off because you're like, this is already stressing me out. Right. And so if you have a whole day of a crying baby that just ratchets up your stress level, like and it just keeps going. Um, so it was one of those days. Um, and I had also, I had made a bunch of plans that day. I had plans starting to fall through. I had things I needed to get done and accomplished. And I felt the pressure of all of the, the work that needed to be done on my end. And I was needing to help a lot with James. And Kristen had things she was trying to do. And he was just making it really challenging. And then we had people coming over to our house that, like, very soon. Um, and our house was also still a wreck. And so Kristen goes to take James, and she takes him, and, and is going to take him upstairs. And she makes some comment offhand that just like I'm already feeling this, and it's like one thing, and it just it was like it was like you lit the fuse right on on like a stick of dynamite that was just it, the dynamite was already prepped. And it was just the light. It wasn't even like a big deal, you know. On a good day, it would have been like, whatever, you know. In fact, she probably wouldn't even have said it because she wouldn't have been stressed out. And so I'm like, okay. And so I, I, we're like, need to clean the house. So I pick up these little wooden blocks up that belong in our basement. If you've ever been to our house, pick up these little wooden blocks. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start helping clean up some. And I start walking down the stairs. And it's as if, like, you ever pumped up a, a tire, like a, like a bike tire, and you watch the little pressure gauge, like, you know, move? And it was as if every step on the stair down was like, and you just start going up, up. And, and by the time I got to the bottom of the stairs, I feel like I looked about like this. And you've seen this movie. I'm just like, ah! Uh, I'm ready to like put my head through the wall, which is why there's a large mirror there now. Uh, no, not really. There's no hole. There's no hole behind the mirror. But but the reality is, I, I walked into our basement and I'm just like burning with rage. And and for me, I just I, I took the little blocks I had in my hand and I just threw them as hard as I could at my couch, and I was like. <sighs> you know, uh, and I didn't scream really loud because James is trying to go down for a nap. <laughs> you know, uh, but I like threw him at the couch and I just had to sit down for a minute and get a hold of myself. Right? Um, because I, I just, I lost it. 
for a moment. You know, and I didn't put my hand through the wall, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't punch anything. I did actually feel a whole lot better after I threw those blocks. Uh, you know, but while I was doing it, I'm like, this is completely irrational. Like, even while I'm, like, blowing up, I know this is not that big of a deal. Why am I freaking out? Right? But I just, I'd lost my patience. I'd lost control. And, you know, I didn't, like, yell. Luckily, you know, I didn't throw the blocks at Kristen or James. You know, I didn't, I didn't yell at them. I, you know, amen. But, like, for me, like, that was, I, I just lost it for myself. Can anybody relate to that? You know? But that's not how God reacts with us. Right? He's, he's dealing with us and with our mess. God's saying, I, I am slow to anger. I am patient. I am compassionate. Right? I'm forgiving. And God, when we're annoying, He goes, I forgive you. I forgive you. And it gets to the point where he goes, all right, I'm going to need you to repent now. Right? And if you don't, I'm going to teach you something here. Right? Bring some discipline in our direction. But really, for me, I feel like I don't want to be this. I don't want to be this guy. You've seen this movie. This is Inside Out. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, there's a lot of emotions in that movie. So, but you know, for us, I think... Mean, I'm just grateful that God isn't like this with me, that he's patient with me, that he doesn't blow up on me. And he doesn't blow up on any of us. He didn't blow up on the Israelites. You know, throughout the Old Testament, we're going to see that. This was in Exodus, right? The Exodus happens, and the scripture we're about to look at happens 700 years later. Well, I'm going to move into point two. It says, that was point one. Point one is, God's love, he's so patient. But there is hope in God's patience. There's always hope. And that's point two, is there is hope in God's patience. You know, throughout the Old Testament, God continually tells, continually tells us how He chose Israel out of love, not because of anything that they had done to be especially deserving, but that He loves them, and He made a covenant promise with them. And it's, it's a covenant. I mean, marriage is a covenant. He made a covenant saying, I will be faithful to you. I will never leave you. I will take care of you. I will provide for you. I mean, he, he gives them this extravagant, loving promise and says, be with me. Stay with me. Here, here is how you treat me righteously in our relationship. And the Israelites just don't do that. They don't treat God the way he deserves. Right? Throughout history, the Israelites break their covenant time and time and time again with God. And does he get angry? You bet he gets angry. He gets incredibly angry. Right? But let's take a look, not at God's anger in the sense, but how God still feels about the Israelites even after they've been sinning against him. Again and again, and coming back and then sinning against him again and again over a period of like 700 years. And to illustrate this, we're going to look at the life of Hosea, how God illustrated it for us. If you've got a Bible, turn over to Hosea uh, chapter 1. We're just going to look at verse 2, um, and then we're going to look in chapter 3 again. 
Hosea is um, it's far towards the back of uh, the Old Testament. It's one of the what's considered the minor prophets, but you guys will find it. You're not there yet. Hosea chapter one. I need to get there. Hosea one. Verse 2. So God illustrates this. His relationship with the Israelites. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go take for yourself an adulterous wife and children of unfaithfulness, because the land is guilty of the vilest adultery in departing from the Lord. He goes, You know what you're like? To, to the Israelites, he says, you're like an adulterous wife. And I want you to go and take one so that you can experience this, so you can help Israel understand how it feels. Right? Check out... Go to, go to chapter 3 really quick. As I said, it's been 700 years since the Exodus, since this, the text we first looked at. Right? And... Israel, like I said, has betrayed God and worshipped other gods. They've gone to other idols. They've gone after them. They've, they've done... Some of them have sacrificed their children to other gods. They have put up... I mean, the things that they've done is, is incredible. But God is going to use Hosea's life as an example. And his, when his wife cheats on him and commits adultery and leaves him to go be with other men... Here's what God says. Look in chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord said to me, Go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Right? That's a, that's a funny one. I'm like, I like raisins, but... I, I didn't dig into the sacred raisin cake stuff for the sake of time. Uh, but, because I'm sure there's something interesting there. But, I, I look at this scripture though, and what is, what is God saying? He goes, I want, I want you to understand. I want you to go after this woman who's been cheating on you. Right? And, and been with multiple other men. And I want you to go and show your love to her again. And, and the thing is, is that Hosea, Hosea's wife would still continue to cheat on him. And God's point is, I want you to go back and continue to love her. But that's, that's what Israel's doing to me. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't deserve that, Hosea, but I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to love you. You know, his response is, I still love you. You cheat on me, but I'm not giving up on you. How, how God is incredibly angry, yes. He has multiple times over the last 700 years where he was true to his word. He brought justice and it hurt at times and generations of people felt it. But he never gave up on Israel. He never just abandoned them entirely. He's never going to abandon us entirely either. But anyone who says the God of the Old Testament isn't a patient, loving God, has never really considered the book of Hosea. Right? 
Because I want to look at a few of the other passages where you can really listen to how God feels about these people. This adulterous people. Chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. So what God says after Israel has been cheating on him. Therefore, I'm now going to allure her. I will lead her to the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards. I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came out of Egypt. Verse 19. I will betroth her to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and I will, and you will acknowledge the Lord. This is how God feels to an adulterous people, right? The people who have already left him and have sinned against him and, and have, have been hurting him. And he, and he says, I, I'm going to give her back her vineyards. That's because he's taken them away, right? But he's, he's going to, there's a judgment that's intent is to bring them back to him. But he's like, how does he feel? He's like, I love you. I want you to be mine forever. I want to put my arms around you. I want to call you the one I love. Right? Does this seem, I mean, in this regard, do you guys see the love and patience of God? Yeah. I mean, have you considered what a, a, a human person might do? I'm done with you. Nope. Alright. We're divorced. I'm finished. Never again. I'm keeping the kids. You know? But that's not how God is. I'm still coming after you. I'm not giving up on you. You know, in 11, look at this one. This is, is not just the one about a wife, but how God feels as, as He loves us as a child. A father loves His children. In 11, chapter 11, starting in verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim how to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize It was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and I bent down to feed them. You know, I can't help but think of of this. Right? And this this is Kristen, right? And I didn't have a good one of me with James, but this is James when he's still learning to walk. And he's talking about Ephraim. He's talking about one of the tribes of Israel. He goes, you know how I feel about you? I love you. I remember teaching you to walk. Where you're, you're holding my hands. And I'm just holding on to you. Just trying to teach you. There's a deep love there that God has for his people. He's just trying to communicate. I want to... I'm not giving up. This is how I feel about you. You hurt me so much. And Ephraim is one of the tribes that, that they definitely went out there. And he's still saying, you don't even realize what I've done and how I've loved you. 
But he's waiting and trying to find a way to bring people back to him. Right? To try to, not just Israel, but the whole world. He's working, and he wants to one day work through Israel to reconcile the whole world. Us included. And there's prophecies about us, even in Hosea, and for the sake of time, I wasn't going to get into it. I'm not going to. But you should know, you are talked about in Hosea. You who are not God's people, he's saying, I'm going to call you my people. Because he loves us too. Right? Last one, let's look at this verse. In verse 8 and 9. How can I give up on you, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All of my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I turn and devastate Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. You know, Israel had already been taken into Assyria at this point. I mean, they, had, they were enduring. And he's going, you know what? You've been taken, but I'm not going to obliterate you. I'm tempted to, but I'm not going to. You're, you're having to endure some discipline right now. But I'm not going to destroy you. Why? Because I love you and I'm not going to give up on you. What does this mean? You know, I, I, for me, I wish I could be patient like God. I can't, I can, I'm going to strive to grow in it all of my life. Amen? Hopefully, can all of you strive to do that with me? Amen? But I'm going to strive for this all of my life. To have an en- enduring and patient faith. Through the challenging times of life with other people, with not just with the people I love, but even with non-Christians who don't deserve my love, just as we haven't deserved God's love, right? But how often did, when I think of this, about God, I've got to think about myself, but I, I relate it to Israel. How often did Israel feel the results of their sin and then go... Why, God, have you abandoned me? Why are you cursing us? Why have you left me? Why are we dealing with all of this hardship? And if they had just turned around and and looked at it, they would have realized, wait, we abandoned God. I've heard of many people go, I feel like God has just forsaken me. He's abandoned me. He's He's not with me anymore. But if many people would just realize... It was us who, who turned away and walked away from our relationship with God. And if we wonder why, oh, why do I have such hard things going on right now? Why does it feel like God has cursed me? Why has he left, taken his blessings away? I'm like, he hasn't taken his blessings away. You walked away. You left them behind. And that's not every situation. But I just go and I look at it and I go, I, don't, I want to make sure that I'm not the one. I want to be patient through the affliction. But I also want to make sure that I'm not the one leaving. I'm not the adulterous one. God is the patient one. He's the kind one. He's the one that doesn't leave. So I, I encourage us to just ask ourselves a question. If it's you today, you're wondering where God's at, ask yourself if you're the one that's walked off. But maybe you're feeling totally unworthy. Maybe you're feeling like there's no way God is going to take me back. I've cheated on him. I've done such terrible things. My sin is so disgusting. God will never take me back. 
I'm just, I'm dirty. I'm soiled. I'm unlovable. And God's like, never. You will never be unlovable to me. That's our God. You know, if you're, if you're struggling with that thought, that's not how God feels about you. Rest assured of that. No matter how ugly and nasty your sin gets, as soon as you're going, I, I just want to be with you, God's going, I want you to be with me. I'll bring you back. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That God will just patiently endure and wait with us. And then lastly, I think, if you've ever wondered why it seems like God has changed so much, I'd encourage you to dig into the Scripture. Why has God changed from an angry, wrathful God to a really patient, loving God? I'd encourage you to dig into the Scriptures, because He has not. He's the same loving God. There is judgment in both, and there is love and kindness and gentleness in both. Right? The patience of God is there. It's for us to find and see. I encourage you to dig into the Scriptures and see that our God is a Father and a King who is full of patience, compassion, forgiveness, and love because God is and always will be love. Amen.